0: This is The Tenth Voice, Kansas City's LGBTQ plus radio magazine, The Tenth Voice, because we refuse to be silent.
1: Hello, KKFI listeners, and welcome to Trans Talk,
2: this week's edition of The Tenth Voice. This is Una. Una.
1: Here, sitting next to Fiona. Hello, Fiona.
2: Hello, Una. Nice seeing you here.
1: And we have Rachel here back from pickleball land and from uh, <laughs> work land out in Seattle and everything. Uh, good to have you back. Thank Portlandia. you. Oh, wait, you were, it was Portland. It was Portlandia, yes. You, uh, you just went to Seattle for the coffee or something?
0: I did, and to see a friend, yes. Um, this is your friend a barista? Uh, she is not actually. Oh. They
2: actually la- allow non-barista people into Seattle these days. I
1: know. I was shocked. I it's was shocked. When non-binary baristas, out. baristics. I don't know. I <laughs> they, they uh, should be if they're not. <laughs> but Rachel is running our board today. We're going to start out with the transgender news of the month, and then we're going to have a special focus on short, four short films dealing with transgender and intersex uh, members of the community we skipped our monthly film reviews we started back in the early days of covid because we had some guests in town and a lot of exciting topics as things were reopening but we've had a lot of requests for the film reviews and the nice thing is is that uh, all of these films are easily viewable for free on youtube Uh, Put out there by the producers and the links are on our 10th voice Facebook page. And so you can get them from there. We'll talk a little bit more about that and a little bit about community issues at the end. I want to give a special thank you to all of you out there who contributed to our fun drive to help keep us on the air and keep our voices loud and proud on your behalf out there in the community and uh, we had we beat our goal on one of our days and that was truly truly wonderful I want to thank you so much and for those of you that missed out and uh, are thinking right now you've got some money burning a hole in your pocket we're not gonna do a fun drive today but I want to remind you that you can show us some love by going to kkfi.org Digging deep as much as you can, as little as you can, whatever, and uh, just mentioning the 10th voice. First, let's go over to uh, Sister Nightshade, who is in the studio today as well, uh, dressed in a, a vintage uh, United Airlines stewardess uh, uniform to tell us a bit of the trans news of the month. Well, Texas, you've done it again, and just like the mar a madman, you've shown us all by example that every time we think you can't sink any lower, there's yet another trapdoor going down to a snake pit of hatred, and probably a trapdoor below that with infinite uh, snake pits in a row. This Friday, a bill banning all transgender students K-12 from participating in school sports as any gender other than their original unamended birth certificate hit the desk of anti-transgender Governor Abbott, who has vowed it is a mission from God himself. That he signed this bill the bill shouldn't even have reached his desk despite overwhelming support for it from republicans except for the texas senate committee on health and human services voting to advance the legislation during a frantic and hysterical hearing where republicans change the rules requiring 24 hours notice out of fear that all those pesky people concerned with human and civil rights might show up to provide testimony against the bill the bill also erases intersex and non-binary persons entirely by declaring there is only male and female no other option is possible except i guess Zool if you remember ghostbusters uh from the 80s proving once again that Texas Republicans really only seem to get their science from a badly translated book, much of it made up out of whole cloth cobbled together by Iron Age goat herds and Roman politicians trying to game the system. There is no provision in the bill for how schools are supposed to get access to these original birth certificates uh, before amendment, which from my recollection typically requires a full court order, but hey, the rule of law and judicial standards, they don't really matter that much. The Biden administration has spoken out many times against Texas hatred and just this last week threatened full press legal action should the bill become law. President Joe Biden himself was quoted as saying, quote, Transgender Texans, we have your back. We will defend you, unquote. Furthermore, the bill may very well disqualify some Texas students from interstate competition. But just as the NCAA caved... Under earlier uh, protests this year to state bans on transgender athletes, I won't hold my breath that organized sports will do the right thing. I'll hold my breath for other reasons, but not for that. In other news... Transgender physician Dr. Rachel Levine was sworn in ceremoniously as the head of the U.S. Public Health Service Commission Corps, making her the only out-and-proud transgender four-star officer across any of the eight uniformed services of the U.S. Frequent listeners to the program may recall her nomination and confirmation hearings in the Senate showed Republican hatred on a national level, with some Republican senators and even representatives that weren't even involved in the confirmation hearings openly misgendering her, deadnaming her, and asking her about her genitals during official public hearings as to her qualifications as a physician. I've already called out Dave Chappelle several times in the past, most recently just a few weeks ago, as well as Netflix for being a passive-aggressive co-culprit in spreading his transphobia. While more walkouts from staff have occurred, protests have been held, and subscriptions canceled, Netflix claims that overall its subscriber base has increased due to the premiere of some series called Squid Game, which apparently is a Korean survival reality game show drama where people play kids' games with the losers being killed. Because I I guess that's what's really important in life, right? You can either make a tiny, minuscule, slacktivist stand for trans rights by canceling your subscription or you can eagerly sign up to watch people be murdered for losing a kid's game. And now it's time for what I call Nightshade's blood trail, which is a path that all of us must walk and me especially scanning the news each month as I report upon our murdered family. Yet another transgender woman of color was murdered on October 2nd. Royal Poetical Stars, age 26, was shot to death October 7th, excuse me, October 2nd in Miami Gardens, Florida, making her the 40th transgender person murdered in the U.S. this year. Stars lived in nearby Pompano Beach and was shot inside her car in a residential area. Despite having legally changed her name and gender markers, police wantonly misgendered and dead named her in their official report. She was shot at least 20 times, indicating a severe amount of violent intent with no suspects known at this time on October 11th black transgender man Mel Groves age 25 died after being shot multiple times while in Jackson Mississippi Mr. Groves was able to drive himself to a local hospital where he died on the scene without identifying his attacker so police have very few leads in the case on October 19th it was reported yet again Another Transgender woman of color Seattle resident Zoella Martinez who was found fatally shot in an alley on September 1st her death is only being reported this late because very often the identity of Transgender intersex and non-binary persons is either not known hidden or not reported at the time of their murder Martinez age 20 had gone the night before to meet Jakari Rashad Hardy in an attempt to recover money that she believed had been fraudulently withdrawn from her bank account. When last seen, she was in a car with the person owing her the money, and then she was later found dead. The suspect, Hardy, is now in custody, and camera footage appears to show him shooting Ms. Martinez at least five times. In some more positive news, this last week, Bia, a black trans woman, was introduced in the first issue of DC Comics series Nubia and the Amazons, part of the Wonder Woman sub-universe of DC. I think that's what it's called. Is that right, Comic Mouse?
2: There's alternate versions and there's subdivides by characters and Golden Age versus Silver Age and we've only got an hour of the show so I think we need to carry on with the news.
1: Right. Uh, I'll let your wife, your wife is waving at me to move on. So Bia is one of five women who entered the Amazon world through something called the Well of Souls, a portal giving women new lives as immortals free from the terror of man's world. Sounds like paradise to some of us. (laughs) Their memories of their previous lives are erased, so Bia is able to live her life as her true female self from the start in the new world she has entered. Meanwhile, I can only imagine the fundamentalists lining up at comic book stores, waiting eagerly to buy every copy they can get their claws on to make a bonfire in honor of, wait for it, Jesus.
2: I don't recall Jesus ever demanding burnt offerings of any kind, let alone of comic books.
1: I thought it wasn't The Last Summer Burnt Ends.
2: Last Supper? Last
1: Supper, not Summer. (laughs) What do I know? I'm not a Christian, so... Or Jewish. That's true.
2: You're offending two religions
1: here. (laughs) DC Comics previously triggered fundamentalists with their proposed 2019 comic called Second Coming, (coughs) um, uh, which featured Jesus as the sidekick, Jesus as a sidekick, (laughs) of a superhero... I'm sorry. He's a sidekick. Yeah, Jesus was a sidekick. Well. He was the poncho to uh, the Cisco in the series. It depends on
2: your view of the Trinity. They could all be each other's sidekicks, or the father might be boss, and then the other two are the sidekicks.
1: Well, the superhero in this case was named Sunman, that is, as in the sun in the sky, and okay, well, that's really understandable that it was cancelled. I mean, Sunman, what sort of weak, zero imagination (laughs) name is that? If you're going to make a superhero with the power of the sun, give them a cool name, like Dr. Thermonuclear, or Fusion Force, or Negasonic Teenage g-type main sequence stellar object
2: <laughs> well there is a negasonic but that is in marvel and you're going to start getting into lawsuits there
1: well we transition all sorts of barriers here and that's part of what we're talking about the transition between marvel dc and dare i say dark horse comics and we <laughs> are all inclusive as well yes we, we are. are all of them firstly yeah. i'd mm-hmm. rather
2: multi-comic sure
1: yes I, exactly i'd rather see a comic about sound spoon man the beatles nowhere man or even about Manfred man or the five man <laughs> <laughs> electrical band amy man portugal the man or even man without hats
2: that was men without hats you're really reaching here
1: well i don't know anything about men and i don't like to reach for men so we'll just leave it at that finally although that seemed like that seemed like the monthly news of the crazy. It actually wasn't, because the core message in the news was actually positive, despite our jokes at the end. No, the monthly news of the crazy comes from Soviet Russia, where President Vladimir Putin called the movement for transgender acceptance, quote, a crime against humanity, unquote, in a speech this last week. He further claimed That anyone who supports transgender rights is pushing for an end to all mothers and fathers everywhere, and he then went full-on Grandpa Simpson Trump by railing against censorship, teaching the history of minority peoples, so-called cancel culture, and statements which are so internally and externally inconsistent and ironic... Given the long history of his country and his own current policies of running Russia like the Trump golf course empire, then I'm surprised he didn't start threatening to invade Europe over nude roller discos, soggy Rice Krispies, and those silly little straps they put on tops and skirts that you're supposed to hang your clothes from. But no one ever does, and instead they either irritate you all night long by tickling you, or else they stick out from your neckline or skirt waist like tiny little satin Ouroboros snakes, free to catch on any protrusion that sticks out, tearing your clothes right off your body and exposing all of your gems and flaws to the world. I mean, those little straps are, are am I right, they're lurking disaster in every piece of women's clothing, and in a much, they're a much, much greater threat to Western culture than Putin's so-called transgender menace.
2: Have you ever heard of these things called scissors? Um, You can remove tiny little uh, scissors from clothing. But it just seems sort of like, I don't know, it seems like sacrilege, despite the utility (laughs) of it.
1: i bought an outfit, not a problem. So, Republicans remember when you go to the polls for the midterm elections, you have a choice to make. You can either vote to ban those tiny little useless clothing hanging straps, or else you will continue to see naked transgender women all over town. The choice is yours. I'm Nightshade, and this was The News. So, welcome back to Trans Talk, this week's edition of The Tenth Voice, where we were talking about everything from uh, Russian totalitarianism to uh, comic books to a variety of things. Thank you, Sister Nightshade, for stepping in. Sister Nightshade now going off to do whatever it is she does during the day.
2: I didn't think her broom actually flew during daylight, but she seemed to take off with no problems.
0: Well, I haven't heard her motorcycle start, so uh, we'll see if she has any problems. It's a bunch of minions in the green room, I think. That'll take care of her. That,
1: that could be it. So, back in the early days of COVID, when we were all shut in, uh, we came up with an idea of reviewing some uh trans non-binary non-conforming intersex related films that could help tide people over during the long times that we were locked down we carried it on monthly as a tradition but then as things opened up and there were more events we pushed it to the side for a few months and we decided to come back and have a foursome. Oh, a foursome sound. Wait, we're one person short of foursome in here, aren't we? Yes. Are, Nightshade, come back. Oh, that's too late. No, she's not really in. So um, what we decided to do was not only find four short films that dealt with different aspects of the trans community, one about a... Uh, Non-binary person. One about a trans masculine person. One about a trans feminine person, and one about an intersex person. That not only were short, easily watchable films, but are also freely available for all of you to see on YouTube right now. And the uh, links and the name. You can look it up by name. You can look it up by link. We have it on the Tenth Voice Facebook page. So um, it will also be posted on Trans City. And one of the nice things that I liked about the films in general, before I start with introducing the first one, is that I found in many cases in just 15 minutes, some of these filmmakers can touch your emotions in so many ways more than other filmmakers can do in two hours. And so we reviewed scores and scores of short films and thought that these ones were especially interesting so let's start with Mast which Fiona actually was one of the uh, I think she found it recently and uh, what would you like to say about this film?
2: Well I originally shared it and the other film that we're going to be reviewing that are by Momentum Studios in Australia on my Facebook page with the tagline film shouldn't be allowed to make you cry before bed I'm going to have to go have some Sudafed now because obviously you do not want to be blocked up and stuffy overnight because you will wake up with a bad headache that's true
1: yes so why don't you tell the audience a little bit about the film
2: so we are going to be obviously having some spoilers in this because we're telling you that this film masked is a 2019 Australian short film about a transgender high schooler who is initially presented to us named Zoe and they're struggling to find acceptance for themselves and whether to come out and how awful their life is at the time and they take drastic measures to try and end the pain because they can't come out to their family and... They have one supportive friend, and by the end of the film, we now know them as Zach, and they're getting support and acceptance. And that was produced by Momentum Studios in Australia, and as I said with the reference to my Facebook uh, post, it's um, definitely heart-wrenching and a serious pull on the emotions and it's a very strong theme so warnings to people um, there is uh, evidence of self-harm and cutting and suicide attempts so that could be triggering for some viewers but it is an amazing awesome film and it stars Kelsey Adelaide who is in a um, half-hour Q&A that you can also find on YouTube and they are themselves a non-binary thespian And they were reluctant to take on the role of playing a trans man because they are not themselves trans masculine. But they were encouraged to do so by the two trans men that were working on the film and producing it and involved in it. So there is definitely representation there amongst the stars. Uh, Also stars Paul Dorber and Natalie Fenwick. And all three of them are absolutely awesome. I can't say enough good things about the film.
0: Rachel, what, do you, what did you think about MAST? Uh,
2: first of all, I just
0: want to give a shout-out to Momentum Studios in Australia because it, they seem to be an amazing group of folks. They are all LGBTQ plus folks who get together and are making queer movies uh, for queer people. And yes, that documentary was so cool because um, she actually tried out, or they actually tried out for the part of the best friend initially. And after they saw their additions, some of the trans men were like, yeah, you should you should be this part for sure which was really cool um i i liked masked a lot i think like it clearly came from a perspective of someone who understands the trans experience and lived that experience um I say this a lot, when, whenever I hear the stories of trans people, there are always um, similarities and there's always things I can point to and say, yep, I felt that way or yes, I did that and I felt that in this movie as well. Um, for me too, the big sort of overriding thing, and it's amazing how, how much they packed into you know, 13 minutes of runtime, um, was how important it is to have chosen family and those people around you who are going to give you the support that you need um, you know when you need it the most if you know your actual family isn't able to support you or doesn't understand their chosen family is always there for you and that's so important
1: I think one thing that struck me most about it well the the self-harm scene in the aftermath uh, was very difficult for me because of course I went through that just prior to transition and the thing that struck me is how realistic it was is that the parents really had no clue that things were that extreme uh the friends really didn't have a clue that something was coming right up
2: one of the friends did because they saw their wrist when they reached out to take the birthday gift from them and they looked at it and the and zoe as they were known at the time pulled their sleeve down hastily to cover up the marks yeah
1: well okay i'm being euphemistic when i say self-harm to not uh, i'll go ahead and say it. there's a suicide attempt and there's a difference between self-harm and suicide i mean there's a definite strong correlation in relationship but there is i was trying to be euphemistic so not to spoil it but yeah that's um, it's an attempt not a success so i've really spoiled it for you now but um It was very powerful and it just shows, a lot of people ask, how could you have hid the fact that you're trans from us for so long? How could we not have noticed? Yet trans, cis, gay, straight, um, genotypical, intersex, it doesn't matter. So many times the loved ones ask the question, how come we didn't see the signs? How come we weren't aware? maybe it's just that people don't really pay attention to their loved ones as much as they think they do maybe sometimes they take them for granted
2: or maybe the change is so gradual uh, that, that they become used to that person always being like that and always being broken and always on the edge of suicide and so there is no clear warning sign when it goes from being on the edge to being tipped over the edge because that's how they always are.
0: Yeah, and for so many trans folks too, um, you, some of us feel quite deep shame about our our lot in life and our gender identities, and we can hide it from ourselves too, as much as everyone around us. Yes, that's a good point. Um, and so that's you know that's another huge factor. Um, I I absolutely adored the costume design in in this show because we see um zoe zach uh at the beginning and they are all in gray and they're they have a sort of sullen look on their face but they're gray and black and then um in the sort of final scene we finally see them in colors and a smile and it was such a great symbolic thing it's like you have 15 minutes to tell the story what a great way to do it
2: yeah and, and the mother brought them a like bright yellow, mustard yellow dress for dress, a birthday yes. uh, present and for their party for the next day. Yeah. But they'd got it a non-fully somewhat unfeminine dress because they said that's the style you like and thought it was kind of a hipster rather than the real reason for it. Right. And then you see them at the party the next day and they're wearing the dress because they've got to to please their mother. But they've totally covered it up and it's buried behind very gender-neutral things to try and hide and not be in a dress.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was really good.
1: I think another aspect, too, that this brings to forefront is the fact that parents so often don't take... Their children seriously. And I don't just mean young children. And I don't, I, in this film, it's especially teenagers. Teenagers are never taken seriously by their parents. It's very rare. You know, they think that they're trying on personalities like a set of clothes, that they're being hysterical, that they're being influenced by their peers. And if we find, too, that with many people, it goes all into adulthood. You know, even when I came out to my mother in my early 40s, she could not believe it, and kept making all these excuses. And it's like, you really just don't get it. You're not listening to me at all. And I think the film emphasizes the aspect that you should listen. And there are all, there are all those parents that will say, how can my child of age 17 know that they're trans? And my response back, one of my main response back is, how does any child know that they're cis? How do they know they're straight? How do they, know, you know, how do they know that? If they said they were cis, you would accept it no problem, as if it was graven on stone tablets. But if they say they're anything else, all of a sudden they're a liar. They're deceptive. They're deluded. They're on drugs, all kinds of drugs. I mean, good drugs, really, really good ones. And <laughs> drugs. Um, so I thought the film. It was very hard for me to watch because of the one theme in it. But uh, and some people may find it triggering, but I think it's worth it. It's the the pain is worth it because it is a good film, and uh, I want to know if we want to go on to uh, the next film and uh, have Rachel talk about that. Unless anybody had any final comments about *Mast*.
2: No final comments. We don't have
1: any official rating score like two thumbs up or. <laughs> no, we've never developed that We should go with like.
2: We've got two rainbows up and uh, an extra side order of trans flags up for this one. What because about, it's uni-
1: brilliant. What about a, a unicorn? We could have you rain. We'd have to make a whole uh, ass scale, that, but
0: no one would get it. So let's go on That's to the true. next film. <laughs> okay, so uh, the next film is called Still Me. It's actually sort of part two of uh, Masked. Uh, they how the character of Zach makes an appearance in that second film, and this one focuses around a non-binary person, um, a, a female assigned at birth person, who uh, we meet and sort of get to know again very briefly. Um, it focuses on the this she's in high school, and they are struggling with their external and internal pressures over their gender identity. Um, they are. Uh, come out as non-binary in in this film and what got me it's it's funny because you know I'm I'm a trans woman but this this film really really touched me there's a there's a scene in particular where they are sort of rehearsing what they're going to say to people when they come out and they have this speech all sort of ready in their head and they are in a, dra- a changing room and you realize what they're doing is they're sort of changing from their, their sort of drab, drab clothes into the clothes that they went to school in so no one sort of finds out what they, you know, what they were doing. Uh, but that rehearsing of the thing was so awesome and I thought, oh my gosh, they're going to go in and come out to everyone, but in fact, they were still stuck and boy, could I identify with that. I rehearsed my sort of coming out moment for a very long time and that really got me. Um, it, it also uh, is, is awesome to see a, a real-life and, and sort of a very true-to-life true to um, depiction of non-binary people, because even in the community, the LGBTQ plus community, non-binary is, is not understood well. Um, at all, mm-hmm. even within our community, and so we need more things like this, more exposure, and the the fact that the the title of the film is called Still Me is still is kind of perfect because it's still the same person. So I really enjoyed it, and it was very touching to me.
2: Yeah, I really loved it. I liked the scene at the start when they were rehearsing their coming out speech, and that they had changed from female uniform clothes because you saw them get stuffed into their bags into male uniform clothes for the school uniform and I liked the the, at least two strong representations of the stress that they felt at having to choose between male and female one for looking at restroom signs and they thankfully had a third option available that was a uh, omnisex and disabled restroom and that was where they'd actually been doing their rehearsing with privacy and another one when the teacher was daft enough to stand up at the front of the class and have all of the males go to one side of the room and the females mm-hmm, at the other. Yeah. And their desk was exactly in the middle of the room, yeah, exactly. by no strange coincidence. And they had a panic attack at trying to have to choose between them. And so often I hear people in the community, just like they tend to raise and slag on by people by saying, if if you're bi and there are laws against being married to same-sex partners, you're fine because you can just pick an other sex partner. Yeah. Uh, ten, people tend to treat gender and non-binary people the same and say, well, it's okay because you're not all the way opposite, so you can just slide into the other one. And especially if you're gender fluid, you're fine. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Why are you bothering? Why are you kicking for acceptance? And this shows how strongly people need acceptance and especially from within their own community.
1: I think there is a serious uh, age divide in the greater trans community when I, because, you know, being one of the, I'm not yet the old guard, but I'm moving that way. I'm more the, the angry, bitter guard, I guess, uh, <laughs> along with uh, Rachel, who I'm just older than by a couple months, or maybe, maybe a few days, I don't know what. But it's definitely a, at least a month.
2: Oh, <laughs> you're making me feel all like a baby since my birthday isn't until sometime this week.
1: So, um, one of the things that I heard very frequently early on, and I I didn't understand, there wasn't much exposure, there there really wasn't much, even with all the web resources available in the early 2010s, late 2000s, on non-binary, non-conforming persons, and the general thought in the trans female and male community was non-binary people are People that want to have their cake and eat it too. They're faking it. They're people trying things on for size. They're not serious. And non binary people would often be lectured, often by older trans women, saying, Why do- can't you be serious? You're never going, you know, either pick this or get out of it. And there was a meeting of the students, uh, I forget what the name of the student group was at UMKC that used to meet in the student union. Yeah,
2: it was the Trans Plus.
1: And there was one of the very early meetings where they had four or five non-binary persons get up in a row and talk in detail about their life and their experience. And I started to cry and I realized, oh, I understand it now. Not only is your experience completely valid and what you're going through very difficult, in many ways it's much more difficult than what I'm going through because it is a binary world out there. And um, I think a lot of people who don't get it could get an awful lot in this 13-minute film that uh, someone could talk to you for hours about and not communicate.
2: And writing off what you said, I had great concerns for my non-binary friends because of the trans women of my acquaintance that transitioned well at work all of them have reported to me quotes from HR that have basically gone along the lines of as soon as you transition at work you will start using the other restroom and you will not flip flop backwards and forwards just because you don't feel like walking that far and it's further across the floor but if you're non-binary and or gender fluid you might have to flip flop for your own sanity and I don't think even now HR is going to be very supportive or understanding of that. So when I heard that reported by so many people, I had fears for non-binary people coming out at work.
1: Rachel, have you experienced a lot of that sort of that in- lateral intolerance among older trans
0: people like I have, or have you witnessed it? Oh, I, I definitely have, especially I have you know a fair number of non-binary friends and they all report that. And I couldn't agree more with you that uh... the journey of a sort of a binary trans person in some ways i mean none of it's easy but in some ways it's easier for cis people to understand they can understand oh she was born a man and now she's a woman and have a sort of a surfacey understanding of what it is but if you say you're non-binary and you don't rep you know you don't uh, identify either way that it really short circuits their brains and they can't quite figure that out and that puts those folks in a really bad position um, However, I, what I have noticed, especially, you know, because my primary gig is in the entertainment industry, I've seen a lot of theaters um, either have, have altered their restroom signs. They either say, uh, they don't say men or women anymore. They'll just say like urinals and stalls. Or um, at some places, there, there's actually a sign that just says, use whatever restroom that you feel comfortable with. End of story. And that's it, which I think is a wonderful thing. And there,
1: there have been protests lately, although very small ones uh, along the lines of, uh, you know, old man screams at cloud type of protests about the new Kansas City airport and the fact that all the bathrooms in it are, will be unisex yeah. and uh, people claiming that that means there's going to be essentially, you know, mass rape and brutality on an hourly, if not minute-by-minute minute <laughs> basis there, uh... <laughs> in between catching your flight to Scranton, you know, or whatever. Uh, and uh, so I thought this story told, I thought it really went right to the heart in a very short amount of time. I mean,
0: if you discount the credits, it's like barely 10 minutes. That's true. And gets it to you. And yeah, they they do a wonderful job of... Um, having, you know, symbology, just, you know, the clothing they wear, and, you know, like Fiona was saying, where they're sitting in the classroom, and to sort of move the story along and, and sort of get to the point very quickly. And, and again, it also um, emphasizes the fact that your chosen family and is where you're going to get the best support. So. so the next film we have is about a trans feminine
1: person. It's from the UK, and it's a 2016 film called Dawn. That features a, a chance encounter between a badly physically abused and traumatized middle aged transgender woman named Dawn, who was apparently living stealth, and someone told her boyfriend about her past, and she suffered trans bashing. She meets a, a blind man named Will at a bus stop in the very, very early morning, and uh, while Will doesn't fully understand the challenges and pain that Dawn specifically is facing. It's very clear that Will knows what Dawn is, that he understands it, and he reaches out both emotionally and physically to help her see things in a positive way that she never thought of before. There were several little things about the film that really touched me well will asks if he can touch dawn's face uh as part of ai have i i've i've had uh blind acquaintances ask if they can touch your face he accidentally touches a bruise given to her by her ex-boyfriend and uh then she pulls away and just mentions that her boyfriend did it then will says you're the first girl I've touched in ages and she just breaks down and it was heartwarming to watch and he makes a deliberate comment. It's a joke about how he he has super hearing because he's blind (laughs) and he can hear a butterfly breaking out of its cocoon and uh, he just keeps giving her so many unconditional positive bits of reinforcement that don't even seem like he's trying to really pick her up at all. He's just... Being a very kind and human person, it's only at the very, very, very end when he's struggling and he just comes and says, can I have your number? And one of the things I really love is that as she's walking away and she says, well, I better keep my head down so, you know, presumably no one picks on her. He yells at her, you just keep your head up high. And it was a heartwarming film and... It just it did really hit me. Um, uh, ran, Fiona, what, what,
0: what do you <laughs> think? Good.
2: I thought it was good. I thought um, there was some um, good pieces with the representation for having a non-seeing person in a short film like that as well because I think a lot of people are familiar with people that are born blind or completely lose their sight very traumatically and suddenly but a lot of people aren't aware that people quite often lose their sight progressively like that and so there was good representation and information there including at the end when he was asking for her number and he said can I see you again and (laughs) he must have chosen those words deliberately and I also liked the bit on the bus because we were all set up to think that there was going to be harassment there and there were th- three or four very drunk sounding guys there blocking the way and one of them nags the other others to get out of the way and let the lady through.
0: Yeah, um, I think that for, for me the, the some of the symbology in, in this film is so great, like all of the subtle little hints that these two characters give each other, even at the very beginning, um, You know, they meet at this bus stop, and it's dark, it's it's pre-sunrise, and therefore it's it's dark, it feels dangerous to me, it feels, um, you're not really sure what's happening, Um, you hear a a man's voice in the background saying, you know, miss, can you help me, can you help me? Um, It feels like a setup for something bad that's going to happen next. So... um, But as we get to know these two characters, each one of them sort of gives us little subtle indications that, um, you know, things on the surface aren't quite what they seem, which I really, really liked about this movie. And it was really well done and incredibly well acted. It was this, even though, again, it's a very short film, it's about 15 minutes long, there's this slow sort of unfolding Um, where you see both of these characters sort of realize um, that, you know, all of these fears and things that they had and that they'd internalized um, aren't really true, and they can, you know, sort of be, both be their true selves. I just, yeah, I... It
1: was uh, very powerful, and it was... uh, I guess maybe it's because it connected directly to me, and there were a lot. Of, there was a lot of good cinematography in it as well, and uh, it really just—I uh, I don't know how to split it. There were little. There were parts where it focused on the tears welling in her eyes, and uh, and uh, that where her eyes are trembling. The, the acting was really. It was really spectacular, and the cinematography was really good, especially given the lighting conditions that they had to work under.
0: Yeah, and it kind of they had that great sort of moment as the sun is rising, and uh, Will says, you know, the sun is coming up, and then he asks her name, and she sort of looks at the sun and says, My name is Dawn. And it's like, how apropos. Yeah, it was... It was quite well done, and, I, and even, even some of the cinematography, some of the shots when they're sitting next to each other on, on the park bench, or the bus stop bench, you see their hands like right next to each other, and the camera sort of focuses in on that, and then eventually she sort of reaches over with her pinky finger, and they make you know, sort of human contact, which it seems like in that moment was exactly what both of them needed.
1: So uh, Fiona uh, had to step out briefly for something and um, the, uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulty here, uh, dropped something in the studio and made a really awful noise, so we had to delete uh, a little bit of, if you heard a second seven second gap, that's to, event, to prevent uh, uh, a bunch of cacophony. Uh, Fiona's back and uh, wanted to give some final comments, I think, on the film.
2: Uh, I want to say that the bit about her looking at the sun, to me, I believe it, she actually picked her name then.
0: Yeah, it, they it, started, it, that could definitely be one of the things, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. that was my interpretation of it. Yeah. She was acting like she'd never had a chance to give her real name, and she was choosing it right then, that second, and this moment at dawn with him was an important moment. And, and you were so, saying
1: something about when she got on the bus, too, and how she was treated there.
2: Yeah, before the uh, noise incident. They, there was the standard... She experienced, rather than trans bashing, she experienced the standard misogyny that all women have to deal with and that trans women have to deal with on top of their other experiences and trauma because they made a harassing comment about her, her best being nice and uh, that's then
0: stuff, yeah yeah that stuff becomes really hard to parse as a trans woman because it's like you get it from both sides it's either you know you can be criticized for just being a trans woman on the bus or you can you know have this misogyny thing because you're a woman on the bus
2: and you wouldn't even know for certain whether they're being sarcastic and right. saying that's that to t- t- say you're fake
0: exactly yeah you're like so many layers exactly right exactly right a
2: layering time for a break maybe i think it's time for a short break and we can come back and talk about the last
1: film
0: (laughs) okay we will be right back
1: hello and welcome back to trans talk this week's edition of 10th voice and um if you hear some emotion in my voice it's in part because of this final film which involves an intersex person. Uh, it's a mixture of fantasy and very grim reality. And it's called Pony Boy, spelled P-O-N-Y-B-O-I. And as an intersex person myself, I found this film very touching, and it's very unusual because my community is often very overlooked. You know, trans the trans community is overlooked as it is. The intersex community is. You will find one-tenth or one-hundredth the documentaries, or drama films about it, uh, people eliminating the eye from LGBTQIA. The title character is a femme intersex person who ran away from home due to abuse, both from their parents as well as medical abuse, and undergoing forced medical procedures to try to force their body into one Sex or another, and there are some very horrible flashbacks that made me shiver and cry watching them, and just remembering them now is doing that. Pony boy, we're never told their actual name, uh, their their birth name or their chosen name, which may have been Pony boy, works at a laundromat. Uh, for their primary job they live in the back of it and as that doesn't give them enough money to pay the bills they also work as a prostitute in the back room trading sex for survival and dealing with the hustlers abusers and creeps one night a mysterious handsome and polite cowboy shows up at the laundromat driving a classic mustang strong silent very polite very respectful uh, man who is the Archetype of the sort of person that Pony Boy wants to meet. They have a very romantic sexual encounter. It's not graphic, so you know the young ones can see it. And the man is very kind and very clear, much more clearly interested in Pony Boy than just a one night stand. In fact, they offer to take Pony Boy away and helping them to escape their reality by giving them their car. Which Pony Boy doesn't really believe is true. At this point, the film may cross over a bit into fantasy because at the end, Pony Boy is literally driving away in the Ford pony car, the Mustang <laughs> pony. Um, one of the best lines, I think, is when Pony Boy is describing having to go to the doctor so much as a child, where they were forcing their reassignment. Uh, The cowboy asks, Why were you at the doctor so much? And Pony Boy is broken and says, I guess I was born a little different. And the cowboy smiles and says, That's okay. I like that you're different. And also says later, You can have whatever you want. You just have to think that you deserve it. And the best part about the film of all is that the thespian portraying Pony Boy as an actual non binary intersex person from Salvador, who also not only stars in the film, but helped direct it and wrote the script. And I'll just leave it off at that and let uh, Rachel this time first, since Fiona went last time.
0: Sure. Uh, of, of the four films that we reviewed, for me, this was the hardest one to sort of understand. In fact, I had to go back and watch it again. I think part of it was I was because it's sort of a, a fantasy, there's there's very real, gritty things happening um, in this film. But there's also this fantasy element, and when I first watched it, I, I just assumed it was sort of escapist fantasy for Ponyboy, that they were hoping that this thing would happen. Um, but on second viewing, and especially the flashback to how they grew up, the abuse they got from their family, and that horrible um, thing with the, the doctors... Um, Basically, what it what it told me was that Ponyboy had been sort of internalizing all of these things throughout their whole life from their parents telling them there was something wrong with them and we need to fix you. And you know, when you when you're told that from a young age, you you internalize that stuff. and so uh, go ahead. That's what I was told at age 24 when I went into
1: the doctor and found out for the first time and the doctor said that, I didn't make testosterone to any measurable amount and that my estrogen level was at a low normal female level and they immediately started recommending well we're going to put you on testosterone shots and we're going to make a man out of you and everything like that and then they made a joke at the end about well you have so many physiological differences you're not even the same species as the rest of us which isn't it isn't scientifically true but that one day I'll never forget it made a huge profound impact of making me feel an otherness from the rest of humanity no matter how many surgeries no matter how many procedures no matter what I did the the, the doctor laughing and saying you're not even the same species as the rest of us
2: I uh I wondered at the end with with the because they did actually decide to leave and there's interesting interpersonal stuff because they are friends with the other person that works there and that person says that they've got a a guy who isn't a creep like all the rest of them and you find out that they're definitely creep because they're also in a relationship or at least having sex with pony boy and that they're keeping that secret amongst all of their other secrets that they're having to keep
1: the creepiest creep that ever creeped yes i mean they actually they actually make the some of the chasers at missy's look like you know uh um nice
2: and shining armor?
1: yeah i was gonna say george <laughs> clooney you know on a good day but oh my.
2: <laughs> so uh they stand up to him in the film and after that they were already planning to leave and realizing their self-worth but you get that moment where they get the chance to stand up to him and defend themselves and they go out and then there's this heartbreaking time when they can't find the guy and can't find the car and you think no it was all a fake and he's just like all the others and then they see the car and he'd left his hat in it. And I think that's leaves <laughs> it open to interpretation that whether he's going to join them and go with them or whether they're going to ride off into the sunset by themselves and have some alone time.
1: Yeah. Well, they let, they wrote the note about where to find the Mustang on a postcard that was the hotel postcard they were going to be at, too. So it, there's a heavy implication. that I, I can't imagine literally somebody leaving behind their classic Mustang for... I mean, to put it bluntly, a person you meet for one night, but maybe, I don't know, in my lifetime I've heard of crazier things, so maybe it is true, or maybe it's part fantasy. It doesn't matter, I just thought it was beautiful, and it doesn't really matter, and it did, to a large extent, give a very good insight into the trans, the the intersex experience especially the med- the flashbacks to the horrifying medical procedures that they have no control over it's screaming why are you doing this to my body and and the parents just slapping them and saying you're just going to do it
2: and like the non-binary community so often intersex people receive abuse and lateral violence within the trans community because many of the people in the trans community don't appreciate that often the person is transgender and has to transition and go through all of the usual trauma and abuse and risks of job loss and relationship loss from society that the rest of the transgender community has but that they've also had that additional medical trauma and thus they get jealousy from people who are in the um, community that they have had to transition to who are resenting them for looking better and passing better often than they themselves do. So they get that resentment and jealousy and lack of understanding and can't even find community there.
1: I've actually lost friends over that who said that they don't like being with me in public because I pass completely, and they don't, and they won't go places with me in public. They wouldn't even meet me for lunch, and I and they kept talking about, you don't know how lucky you are. You know, you didn't, you don't have body hair. You don't have, you didn't have to do this or that. You're only five foot four. I'm like, yeah, well, I also have horrifying medical problems that make my life unending pain constantly, and you're not seeing that. You know, can you walk around the block? I can't. You know, so you're jealous of me and I'm jealous of you the only difference is I didn't throw you away as a friend because I was jealous of the fact that you could walk and if you're out there listening you know exactly who you are
0: I really liked um, how this film ended um, for me what, what I was getting at was we, I finally realized this, this, in this film that they were internalizing all of these bad things that they were told for their whole life and for me, the fantasy was them finally realizing that they weren't the sum total of those horrible things that they were, t- they were told about, and they stood up and went away. And whether or not this person is real, or if this is a fantasy, it kind of didn't matter, because they stood up, and they actually made a decision, and you felt like yes. they were going to be okay, yes. at least better than they were. So, it, w- it gave us hope at the end, for me, anyway.
2: Yes, there's a lot of films and books that use magical realism for that, that uh, usually set in exceedingly bad situations like civil war and serious abuse cases, and particularly from South American regions where that tended to originate, so it seems very appropriate that uh, Ponyboy has a magical realism story. Yeah, uh, well, I think
1: one thing I want to emphasize to viewers out there, if you can hear, there has been some emotion in some of our voices, I guess mainly me, but I've heard a bit from Rachel and Fiona, is that these four short films were very powerful short films, and each one of them in the space of barely around 15 minutes, I think Pony Ponyboy's the longest at 18, managed to tell stories that grabbed our hearts and grabbed our minds and grabbed our souls if you will if you believe in such and made created these strong emotions and i've seen very accomplished filmmakers that in 2 hours could not get the level of the total level of emotion out of me as some of these short films so never discount the shorts never discount the fact it's not a big name brand act, actor actress thespian director what have you you know, give give some of these films a chance. Uh, Rachel, Fiona, or Fiona, Rachel, you, you two
0: fight amongst each other. Any last words yourselves? I think I summed it up pretty well, For it, but for me, I think you need to go into it with an open mind, because I, I didn't when I saw it, and I thought it was sort of escapist fantasy, and I needed to watch it again, and once I did, it really, really got me, so, yeah.
2: There was a moment that got me where they had evidently fallen asleep in the back and thought that they had just imagined it because they'd had a dream about that person the night before and they weren't sure what was real or imagining. And then they suddenly saw the postcard was there and the keys and realized that it was really real. And that moment was a wonderful light bulb moment for them.
0: Exactly.
1: Is there any final thing you want to say, Fiona, about closing out the show or any? about where the community calendar could be located, if there is one? There
2: is most definitely a community calendar, and we've got it, as always, on our Facebook page, on www.facebook.com forward slash 10th voice, and we've got a few things that are coming up this week. As usual, the Kansas City Center for Inclusion has their Queer and Bizarre sale going on, and that is over at their center. At Woodis, and they've got some face-to-face youth meetups this week. And I want to jump ahead to the awesome people at the Equal Group because they are having a Halloween party this Friday, October 29th at 6 p.m. So if you're interested in that, you can join their Facebook group to get more details. And that is at www.facebook.com groups forward Equal Trans Support. And... I do want to thank everyone for listening this week. And remind you, you can send us messages on our Tenth Voice Facebook page, which is where the full version of the community calendar with all the details and Good links.
1: because We'll delete the bad ones. I mean, we're, we're not going to do that.
2: <laughs> yeah, so where all of those details will be magically appearing at 2 pm. And I'd like to thank you all so much for tuning in to Trans Talk, this week's edition of the Tenth Voice. We'd like to give special thanks to our wonderful Rachel for running the soundboard, for my wonderful wife, Una, for putting up with me, and also for co-hosting the show, and to all of our listeners out there. And next up, stay tuned for This Way Out, followed by Wings and then Every Woman.